everybody sit there and say, come on, say it with a little. Contend for the faith. I don't think that, I want, I want to express, this church is not backslid. This church loves the name of Jesus. And, do, and listen, don't listen to the crowd that tries to paint this church into some insipid, weak, backslidden church. They are off the rocker. This church is on target. It has vision. It has a gold. It has a fire burning in its bosom. It is seeking to stand firm. This church is going to make it. But my brothers and sisters, we are mortal. We are human. And we must be exhorted to stand for the truth. Simply because we're living in a modern age of technology does not mean that we back up on this message, that we water this message down, that we lose our fervency and our fire and our passion. We ought to be preaching it like we've never preached it. Come on. We ought to get on the street corners and declare that Jesus is the mighty God. We ought to declare that you must be born again. We ought to preach Acts 2.38 as we've never preached Acts 2.38. Come on, folks, up in the balcony, put your hands together, do a little shouting up that way. Let's, let's turn this arena into something besides a morgue tonight. Let's get a little bit of excitement in our souls. We have been warned not to follow suit and go the way of Cain and Balaam. We have been warned and admonition. And so this is our hour. But my God's grace is sufficient for the hour. There are times as a pastor that I woke up trembling, praying over saints that I knew who were struggling. But I found that the same God that brought my elders and founding fathers through is my God. And he has empowered me. Secondly, tonight, I want to deal not just with the hour, but with the call. God has given every preacher a call, every minister a call. Why would you deal with that in this service? Because there's a difference. Look at when you entered the ministry, it is not like lining up a group of people and one man saying, I'm going to be a plumber, someone else, I'll be a carpenter, I'll be a computer scientist, and I'll be a physician, I'll be an attorney, I'll be an engineer. I'll be a merchant, and on we go, and each person, finally someone steps forth to think I'll be a preacher. Listen, you don't make those choices. This is still 
a divine call from God. And if it's not a divine call, you cannot deal with the demon forces that we are facing today. Church, this is not a patty cake for Jesus. This is not a social club. This is not some little effort going forth. This is the church of the living God. It's an anointed body. And you have to have a call to be able to face the adversary of this hour. You have to have a call that is divine from God. Because you are dealing with issues that only a call can see you through. And you will refer to your call. And in the third chapter of the book of Exodus, this is when he come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. And he endured to seeing him who was invisible. Now when I go to the book Exodus chapter 3, I find out that this Moses has a unique story. Because he was born in the time when Pharaoh decreed the abortion or the death of all male children. And the midwives feared God. The king did not fear God, but the midwives feared God and would not take the life of the children. But it talks about his mother when he was born. She said he is a goodly child, so she hid him for the space of three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she built a little ark, and she pitched it within and without, and she placed it in the Nile. And then she had stationed her little daughter, Miriam, to hide and observe what would happen. And about that time of the day, the king, Pharaoh's daughter, come down to bathe, heard the cry of the babe, and her heart was moved. And she sent one of her maids out to fetch the, the, the little ark. When they opened it up, the Bible said she loved the baby. And she took the child. And Miriam came out about that time and said, I can get you a nurse to take care of this child. You know this story. But it was a unique story because God's hand was upon this little fella called Moses. And God's hand was upon this man Moses and he was burning with passion and zeal. When he was trained in the universities of Egypt, there was a day when he come of years that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the Hebrews and his people. And there will come a time in your life when you must separate yourself from this world and the old crowd. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, I'm talking about the call. You will deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. I know there's a tendency in this hour for the ministry to become professional. Glamorous, and that we would appeal to the world. But I'm going to tell you, you cannot serve God and mammon. You're going to make a decision one way or another. In the city where I pastored for years, a, a Pentecostal minister came to me one day who pastored in that city, and he what he was really wanting was my support. He said to me, I am 
going, there's a vacancy on the city council. He said, I'm going to allow my name to stand. And I, I, I just wondered how you felt about it. And he asked the wrong fellow because I have some strong feelings about it. You're either a preacher or you're a politician. You cannot be both. And I told him, I said, you better make up your mind if you wanna preach or if you wanna run for office. And I'm here to tell you this tonight in this great arena, you better make up your mind, preacher, because you're gonna have an ample opportunity to step out of the ministry. The road is gonna be rough. I feel a little resistance out there, but that makes me wanna preach it that much harder. You gotta make up your mind. Make up your mind. I am called of God. I am gonna preach this message. It burns in my soul. I turn my back on the world and the career and the vocations of the world and my call is of God. You have a call. This is about a call. And somewhere along the journey, you're going to need to look back to the day that God called you. The call. And Moses had a call. And you remember how he attempted, very quickly how Moses attempted to take things in his own hands when he became a year, he slew an Egyptian. The next day he was accused by his own brethren and he had to run for his life. He fled. God knew what was going on. He went out to the backside of the desert. He married. He'd become a shepherd. And he had 40 years for God to tutor him. But then there come the day that God said, I got to stamp my call on this man. I have a mission, a job for him to do. And there was where Moses had his burning bush experience. I'm here to tell you tonight that we have to have more than just little services sitting around in circles, patting one another on the back, wanting stardom, the bright lights, to be acclaimed as something great. I feel the thuds, but it that's why there's so much carnality among us. That's why there's so much bickering among us. We're looking for certain plateaus and levels that we would like to stand even in the ecclesiastical body, the United Pentecostal Church. Let me tell you, this is not your church. This is not my church. This is my God's church. It is a Jesus name church. Go ahead, put your hands together. Let the world know this is a Jesus name church and I'm a Jesus name preacher. The call, the call. You can be seated. If we were more sure of the call, we would have less vacillation, less prevarication, less compromise to the world. You know, when you're where I'm at, I hear so much rhetoric, 
about Kenneth Haney. That I'm sick of hearing about him. And we have a whole lot less of that about one another. If we all knew what was encompassed in a call. A real call is a cross. A real call is tears. A real call has agony. You may view some of us on the stage. You may look at us and say, what a nice tie. What an, I imagine that's an expensive suit and we won't go into that. I imagine this, I imagine that. And I think we do, in, in times, on occasions, and it's not in my notes. Of course, a lot of what I'm saying is not in my notes, and you know that. But we can get carried away with the threads. The lifestyle. I think God has blessed many of us with nice things. But then I hear the old song. I remember we sang service after service. Must Jesus bear the cross alone. And all the world go free. I remember my grandmother singing it. I remember my daddy singing it. No, there's a cross. I feel the Holy Ghost. For everyone. And there's a cross for me. Whatever happened to the preaching of the cross? I don't hear a lot of it. I don't know what it is, but it seems like the last year I would wake up in the morning with those old hymns. I would have dreams in the night about those beautiful services as a child. And I would remember how I could be weeping, shaking, and trembling in the presence of God. And I would say, Lord, do it again. I don't want to get so adjusted with this world that you can't breathe on me. I've been given a call, a call. Kenneth Haney, don't you dare forget the call. Don't forget the sacrifice of your fathers and your mothers and the elders of yesteryear. There's something about the call. I cannot 
forget it. Ezekiel, it said, I sought for a man. I'm going to say this. Some of our parents, you need to rethink. We are victims of an affluent society. We don't want our children to go to a Bible training school because we want them to get a degree where they can make fabulous sums. You don't have to say anything. I don't need your amen to preach this way. I think it's fine to have the degree, but I think we're very selfish, and I think we've got a, we've traveled a long way from the way of the cross. The call. I can see right now. Hallelujah. Uh, let, me, let me just say something tonight about the man or the woman that bears the call. You are marked. You will give up much. It is the life of self-denial. It is the consecrated way. You've got to keep your heart right. I'm going to say it again. You must keep your heart right. You're going to have occasion to vary, to allow things to get in your heart. The Bible said it was time for kings to go to war. Just let me give you one example. And David tarried at Jerusalem. The very fact he stayed away from battle was an indication that he had lost something pertaining to the call. And there's too many idle minds in the church and too many that have the call that are looking for long sabbaticals to a red hot call for this hour. I want you to feel it in your soul. It is your priority. Your motor home is not your priority. Your second home is not your priority. Your cruise ship is not your priority. These are not your priority. The priority is the cross. The priority is a world that is lost. The priority is a sinner must come home. The priority is fill our altars. That's the priority. Priorities. We've got to find the main business of the whole church, and that is to evangelize the world and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what David tarried in Jerusalem was at the very moment that he fell into adultery and ended up a murderer. And Judas walked with Jesus and worked in the prayer lines of the great healing crusades. And he let greed get a hold of him till he sold out Jesus. And Balaam, the prophet of God, was enticed by a king for monetary means. 
I'm going to tell you, we may not be selling him out for 30 pieces of silver, but there's a lot of sellout going on. A lot of sellout going on. I said a lot of sellout going on. Less prayer life. When do we fast anymore? When do we pray? When do we set ourselves apart? I have to talk open tonight. We don't need to lose one more preacher to immorality. Oh, Jesus. We ought to wake up every morning. Preachers, preachers, hear me tonight. Would every preacher in this building stand to your feet right now? Every preacher in the building. When you wake up in the morning, you must plead the blood of Jesus over your life. You are mortal, consequently you are vulnerable to the wiles of the devil. There is no man standing before me or woman that is made of iron. You are subject to temptation. The only item or element that is going to keep you from falling is a prayer life and being full of the Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ upon you. And, and, and feeling the intense passion for your call. Your call. Your call. You must wake up in the morning and say, I am called. I am called. I am called. I am called. The call. You should fight viciously against anything that would rob you of that call. Be seated, brethren and sisters. I must bring this to a close. You will fight. You're such an attentive audience, and I appreciate it. You will fight to maintain a right spirit. Don't fall into the rut of some backslidden preachers, of assassinating characters, of shedding innocent blood, of lying again and again. Somebody said, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to do nothing about it. God is going to take care of them. If I take it into my own hands, God backs off. If I leave it alone, I put them on the altar, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes when God gets through dealing with them. I serve a God that will take care. He will vindicate the righteous. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We, we need to know how to love one another and love the body. It needs to be said. Because what amazes me is how some preachers can find out after they have smeared and hurt some young preacher or elder preacher, after they have literally slaughtered them, 
and ruined their image among other men. And they find out what they have been saying is not true. Now, I want you to hear. They, they don't have enough of God in them. I said they don't, and I'll tell you, they do not have enough of God to even ask forgiveness. Don't call that holiness. That's anything but holiness. Holiness is a pure heart. Holiness is being right with your brother. Put your hands together and say, yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. The Bible says the anointing destroys the yoke. And I want to conclude my thoughts talking about the anointing. I love to feel. Preacher, if you love it, just lift your hand up and say, I love to feel the anointing. Oh, there's nothing like the anointing. It destroys the yoke. Anointing is a wonderful thing. Jesus entered into the synagogue. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah and he began to read from the 61st chapter. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me to preach. I think it behooves us to stop and analyze our lives and make sure that anointing is flowing because the anointing may... That I noticed with evangelist ministries that came to minister where I pastored through the years. Sometimes I would have men come that, and there's nothing wrong, it's wonderful when a man is eloquent, he's a orator, he's great. I love to sit and listen to men like that. But I also love results in meetings and I at times had ministers come that were not so experienced in preaching yet maybe relative young or maybe not but they just didn't have that eloquence and oratory but they would spend days in prayer and fasting and when they would get in the pulpit sometimes I would say to myself, now you have to pardon this, I would say, as they were preaching and I was sitting on the platform, I was getting nervous. And I would say, is anybody listening and is anybody going to get saved in this revival? But when they, it come to the altar call, after they had preached for 25 or 30 minutes and they begin to take that altar call, I observed people pouring out from everywhere and almost running to the altar and I would scratch my head and I would say, how can it be? And then I discovered this man spent hours in prayer and fasting and all heaven come down. There was anointing upon his message. And I want to tell you more than anything else, United Pentecostal Church, we need an anointing of the Holy Ghost upon everything we do. 
We need it on our preaching. We need it on our choir as we sing, as you sang tonight, under the anointing and the special singing. We need it in everything we do. We can do nothing without the anointing. And when I see David, I've already mentioned David tonight, but when I look at the life of David, just a shepherd, I see an anointed boy, an anointed young boy. And I see that he is associating with an unanointed professional. And then I also see that he associates with a once anointed. But the anointed David was called upon by his father one day. And he said, I want you to be the errand boy now. And I want you to take some food down to your brothers who are soldiers in the Israelitish army. And so David left the sheep that he cared for with the keeper, keeper and he journeyed down in a carriage to where his brothers was. And when he marched in, he, he, he handed them the food and about that time he heard this billowing, this roar. And it was the adversary, the enemy. Of course, the unanointed. Maybe anointed by the devil, but he defied the God of Israel and he defied the armies of Israel. And his eldest brother, there was a chill went through him. And there was worry and grief and frustration over this challenge. But while he, the unanointed professional, was chilling and fearing and grieving, the anointing on the inside of this young boy began to heat up. And that anointing was heating up and, and he was taking it personal. And he said, isn't there anybody, isn't there a man that's willing to go out and stand against this giant? But the unanointed professionals were no match for that giant. I'm going to tell you, we're facing a world that the professionals are no match for. I don't care how professional you are about church business. You've got to have more than professional business if you encounter the satanic forces of our hour. We must have an anointing. An anointing. An anointing. And as a matter of fact, Eliab said to his little brother that come into camp because David suddenly began to inquire, isn't there any one of you that will go? And what is going to be done to this man who does bring down this adversary, this giant? And his brother, his elder brother, the captain, the general, the professional said, I know where you come from. And I know your purpose of coming down here. You left. Who did you leave the sheep with? I'll tell you. He said, I left them with the keeper. Don't you think an anointed man would leave somebody in charge of the sheep? He's not a hireling. And he said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. You've just come down here to see battle. You see, there's always friction between the anointed and the unanointed. There will always be friction between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. But the anointed mind does not always do things according to the protocol of the world. The anointed mind does not always do things according to the doctor. But the anointed mind is plugged in to the God Almighty. 
Hallelujah. The anointed mind speaks. The anointed mind is filled with boldness, holy boldness. There's a zeal burning in his heart. And he says, yes, I'll go. I'll go. Soon he was standing in the presence of the once anointed. And the once anointed didn't understand the anointing because it had been so long since he had felt the anointing. And he said, how can you stand against this giant? You're just a teenager. And he, a man of war, mighty in statue, equipped for battle. You're nothing. And little anointed freckled face David that didn't even look like a Jew began to talk to him and said let me tell you Mr. King something I kept my father's sheep I sang songs and praises unto the Jehovah God I've had some experience out on the battlefield a lion and a bear come to destroy the lambs and I slew the bear and I slew the lion. Now let me tell you, the God that delivered them into my hands, he is able to deliver this uncircumcised Philistine. That's the way I feel about it tonight, church. I'm not intimidated by this world. I'm not intimidated by the powers of Satan and the powers of hell and the philosophers and the intellectuals and the educated... Are you intimidated? No. If you're not intimidated and you feel that anointing oozing out of you, let something begin to move and rumble down your soul. We don't even need to try to be like this world. Oh, we're going to use these big words. You and your big words, nobody's listening to you. You're not impressing anybody. You may sound like Webster's Dictionary in the high tone, but it doesn't affect any life. I appreciate your degrees. I appreciate your law degrees. I appreciate all your degrees. I appreciate your degrees in doctors and theology. But what we need more than that, come on now, what we need more is an unction, is an anointing. You ought to have your hand up church and say, God, I want that anointing on my church, on my ministry. I want the anointing. I know that you're going to empower me for this hour. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost. I want everybody to stand in the building. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I have the call. You have the call. If you have the call, scream it out. Yes. yes. I have a mission. Yes. yes. I have weapons. What about the name of Jesus? What about the blood of Christ? What about the word of God? We have weapons. Uh, though we walk in the flesh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of the stronghold. Come on, casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalteth itself above the knowledge of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen. 
the spirit of humility. I know where I came from. I don't like to talk this way sometimes. I'm not supposed to. It's really not protocol. But I probably am the most unlikely person to be standing where I'm at tonight. I didn't deserve this. I certainly did not earn it. But he can pick a little nobody up. I'm going to say it again. He can pick a little nobody up. The most unlikely person. Save them. Wash them. Cleanse them. And call them. I think we need to look back to the pit in which he dug us out. I think we need to reminisce to the day that he called us into the ministry. Come on, church. Do you remember the day when you felt the call, the urge, the bidding of the cross? Though I'm just like some of you, I have grumbled and I have complained about my lot. I'm the most blessed man in this building because Jesus put his hand on me one day and called me. And I don't want to forget where he brought me from. He's not forsaken his church. He's with us. I want you to do something tonight. Though we will have a, let allow folks and invite them to this altar. We could never get here. And so I want every man and woman as high up in that high balcony as some of you are seating tonight, seated tonight. I want you to reach over and take the hand of somebody by you. And we're going to have an old-fashioned Pentecostals know how to pray. We're going to let tears flow down. We're going to talk in tongues. We're going to lay hands on one another. Oh, yes, yes. Hear us, Jesus. While on others thou art calling, do not pass us by. Come on, let it out, church. Let it out in the balcony up there. Renew your call, brother, sister. Renew your commitment to Jesus.
Come on, let it out, let it out. Let's have an apostolic prayer meeting. Let's turn this arena into an upper room tonight. trembling lips. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, church. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. loose, break the fetters, break the shackles, emancipate us, God, in your name, hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. The Holy God of Israel is in this house. My Jesus is here tonight, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He wants to infuse some of us here tonight with new power, empowering us for this hour as never before to face the adversaries of our cities, to face the demonic forces, the prince and the power of the air. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. 
Church, let me have your attention just one more time for a minute. There have been a few times as a young man that I used to dream about conferences, not dreaming I would even sit on a platform. But I had a dream, and it was I could see a general conference in, a, in, a, in an auditorium where the Spirit of God would come upon that meeting. And the saints and the ministry would fall prostrate on the floor and pray through the night. I know that's not probably, I'm not even asking that. There was something I just dreamed because I know that that kind of prayer can move mountains. I know we can get lost in our, in our communion with God. Some of us have got a long ways from that because we're not used to that. There's a lot of difference between calling an all-night prayer meeting and have a spontaneous all-night prayer meeting. Just people linger in the presence of God, never want to leave. In 1923, my grandfather, in the city that I was in, Stockton, California, of course, that's long before I came into this world. He called a citywide revival. At first, they went to the civic auditorium of the city, and a couple of churches joined in, and then, but many of them fought it because it was fanaticism and it was Pentecost. But as that revival began to move and progress, prayer and travail begin to characterize the meeting and they would stay night after night in prayer. People would join together, pray all night long. Soon across that city, church after church locked their doors and their congregations moved down to the Civic Center where it went for four to five weeks with an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Blinded eyes were opened. Deaf ears were unstopped. The miracles of God took place. Sinners ran to the altar. I'm telling you, there is no substitute for the move of the Holy Ghost. We need to take it to our churches. This is the empowering that I'm talking about. This charismatic hallelujah, this light flippy, stuff that has no meaning to it doesn't belong in our midst. We need deep inward. Where the fountain 
mountains of the deep break forth out of our innermost beings. Only God can bring lasting revivals. Now let me tell you tonight, we're going to pray one more time, but I think there's a whole lot of you that would like to walk these aisles as our praise singers sing that old song, I Surrender All come down to the front and renew your commitment to God and others that can't come reach over again and join that somebody's hand and let's begin to pray and turn this arena into another a house of dedication here they come they're walking the aisles they're moving down to the front they're coming from all over I surrender all I surrender all all to Jesus. Come on. That's it. Surrender. 